there's a bunch of big stories today, but I think perhaps the biggest um, and the one that we've been paying the most attention to this morning is this cabinet shuffle that's taking place in Ottawa today. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, in an attempt to try and turn the page, change the channel, use whatever cliche that you want, has announced a pretty sizable cabinet shuffle. Sometimes these are tinkering. Sometimes these are, you know, rather small you know, manipulations here and there, maybe around the edges, things change. Not here. This is a pretty substantial shift. We're talking about a number of new ministers that have been brought in. Uh, they include, and I'm going to have to learn some of these names, but Jenna Suds, uh, Recky Valdez, Yara Sachs, Arif Varani, a newcomer moving right into justice, which is one of your bigger portfolios. Gary Anand Asangari, Soraya martinez Ferrada and Terry Beach, the veterans that remain, uh, Christian Freeland, Francois-Philippe Champagne, Melanie Jolie, they're not moving, uh, Seamus Reagan is staying put, uh, Dominic LeBlanc, Mark Miller, Sean Fraser, still there, but in new roles. Uh, Anita Anand, which I find to be an interesting shuffle, she was Defense Ministry, she's now moved over to the Treasury Board, um, out of defense. I thought she did an okay job in defense. Some of the other ones that are being shown the door, not surprising. Marco Mendocino, uh, been a disaster at public safety. Some major crises that he tried to navigate did not go well. David Lametti, out at justice. Mona Fortier, out at the Treasury Board. She represented the government uh, during the largest public sector strike in our country's history. Uh, in terms of Alberta MPs, there's only two. George Shahal remains on the outs. The Calgary MP, um, not in cabinet last time, not in cabinet this time. Randy Boissonneau, the MP from Edmonton, becomes Minister of Employment, Workforce Development, and Official Languages. He was tourism in the last cabinet. So a lot of changes, a lot happening. Why? Stop the bleeding. Pure and simple, I think, is the easiest way to describe what's going on with our Liberal government and why these changes are being done. So uh, let's see if we can dig into the strategy a little bit more. We're going to be speaking with Sophie Norman, who is a consultant with Summa Strategies. Sophie, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is a pretty big cabinet shuffle as cabinet shuffles go. This, Like I say, this isn't mm-hmm. just some minor tinkering, is it? Yeah, no, you know, I think you called it a substantial shift, and I think that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, there hasn't really been a lot of movement in the the front benches of this liberal government since the 2021 election, really. Um, you know, so to see, I think uh, I think there's 30 new uh, portfolios or new ministers taking on new roles out of a cabinet of 38. So I, I would call that pretty substantial. Um, okay, and let, let, let we'll get into some of the specific changes in a moment. First, though, let's just start. I mean, you, you, you've seen the latest polling coming out. The Liberals are losing mm-hmm. support at a pretty alarming rate if you're a Liberal strategist, I would think. So is that what this is, to try and stop the bleeding and maybe get things headed in a new direction? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that it was a pretty tough couple of months for this Liberal government, you know, pretty much since, I would say, the new year between, you know, uh, Minister Mendicino's issues around the Paul Bernardo transfer, um, you know, and some of the other economic issues that have been hot um, on the minds of Canadians lately. Um, You know, so I I really do believe that nothing breathes new life into a tired front bench like a cabinet shuffle. Um, you know, he's drawing from his wider caucus by promoting seven new um, 
new, new ministers, right, MPs who have never been in cabinet before. So he's getting a lot of new perspective from folks who haven't been at the table yet. He's rearranging some of the cards that he already has in his hand to bring in some different perspectives to different ministries. Um, so I really do think it's it's an effort to try and, like I said, breathe some fresh life um, into what has been a pretty beleaguered front bench for the last couple of months. When you make changes like that, and you, you mentioned uh, Mendocino, you can also talk mm-hmm. about um, Lametti, another one in justice that's had some issues. Um, does it work? Uh, like the issues that plagued um, Mendocino in public safety, they're not gone. He, the, the Bernardo story is still there. The foreign interference story is still there. Um, how mm-hmm. much of a change can the Liberals expect in changing the guy who's been trying to navigate all of that? I mean, it's very true. There's only so much you can do when you change the face of the the portfolio. The issues that have existed previously definitely do remain. Um, but like I said, you know, they're getting a lot of fresh perspective. You yeah. know, Arif Arani is coming into cabinet as a first time minister straight into the justice portfolio, right? And that's pretty that's a pretty big portfolio for anybody to take on. You know, he has a history of a, um, having worked as a lawyer before, having been parliamentary secretary to that portfolio and to many others in the past. You know. So I think that, yes, changing the face doesn't always solve every single problem, no matter how much you wish that it would. But it definitely provides opportunities for new perspectives um, and, you know, hopefully somebody who can bring in a different approach to maybe address some of the issues of the past. I'm kind of curious about what's going on with defense. To be fair, I mean, there's been some liberal ministers, I think, that have really struggled, and we've we've mentioned a couple mm-hmm. of them. I thought Anita Anand was not one of them. I thought she actually performed her role quite admirably. Were you surprised to see her ousted from defense? Um, I was a little bit surprised by it because I agree. I do think she, she has done admirably in a, in a very, very, very tough portfolio. Um, I wouldn't see it so much as an ouster as more of sort of a, a strategic rethinking of sort of which ministers and which ridings they represent um, get placed around the table. You know, the GTA has traditionally been a very uh, seat-rich area for parties looking to pick up seats in the House of Commons, right? So putting in a Toronto MP like Blair to yeah. lock down an area that could be a little bit risky in um, in an election context, you know, I think that that to me is sort of what I would see the thinking being behind a decision like that. Not so much that Anita has done poorly, but more so that there are sort of broader electoral strategies being sort of thought about when they're looking at who moves into what what position and where. You mentioned Blair. He, of course, leaves Minister of Emergency Preparedness and takes over at National mm-hmm. Defence, which creates an opening for Harjit Sajjan, the former Defence Minister, now moving into emergency preparedness. Um, he was sort of stuck in purgatory for a while when all the scandals around defence broke out. So um, all is forgiven. How, how do we read what's going on with Harjit Sajjan? I mean, you know, I think that um, Harjit had definitely been dealt a tough hand when he was first in that uh, in that defense position. Um, you know, but I think that he has done a lot of work, in my perspective at least, to, you know, rehabilitate maybe his image a little bit, you know, prove that he can handle, um, you know, tricky issues when they arise and, and be a steady presence. Um, you know, so I, I think that, um, yeah, I would say that he has rehabbed his image a bit and, um, you know, we're seeing sort of the results of that. Um, in terms of the newcomers, you mentioned Arif Farani. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with any of the other names on the list. There's um, a, a number of new members that have never been ministers before. Any rising stars? Anybody that you know is someone we need to keep an eye on? 
I mean, I think all all seven of them would would be folks that I would definitely keep an eye on. Um, you know, like I said, Arif uh, Varani is coming into a pretty big portfolio yes. right off the hop here. Um, you know, but he's been a pretty loyal Team Trudeau member from from the get go, right? Like he's been. Um, he was first elected in, in 2015, has served as uh, parliamentary secretary in a variety of different uh, ministries. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, he's put in his time and has proven that he, he's a team player. And um, and like I said, that background in law would definitely be helpful for a portfolio like justice and attorney general. Um, Yara Sachs is another one that I, I would uh, I would keep an eye on. I've had the pleasure of working with her in the past um on some mental health related um, commitments and uh, with, with or mental health organizations, I should say. Um, and, you know, I know that this is that mental health and addictions is the perfect portfolio for her. Um, she takes the, the issues very seriously, is very passionate about it. And I think that any organization, be it an association or, you know, organization doing any kind of advocacy related to mental health will find um, will find an ally in Yara Sachs as Minister of Mental Health. Uh, and, and the big question, Sophie, is will this work? We know what the hope is. We know right. what the intent is. Um, what's the next step? And do you think this will be enough? I mean, we know the Liberals have been under pressure and Polyev seems to be building support as they lose support. Will this be enough to get them off on a new footing? I mean, you know, liberal strategists and, and, and liberal voters are definitely going to hope that yeah. this is going to be the thing that will turn it, their fortunes around for them. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's hard to say, you know, I, I, I in situations like this, I really do wish that I had a, a crystal ball to be able to give a more specific answer. But, you know, I think that it's clear to me in this shuffle that Trudeau has already started and his team, they've already started to give some pretty serious thought about their election strategy. Um, you know, they're likely looking at the polls just as much as, uh, sure. as the rest of us are thinking, OK, well, you know, this is where the conservatives, this is where the NDP are gaining popularity. This is where we're losing, you know, popularity. So how do we sort of, you know, take into account the issues that are top of mind for Canadians? And how do we show that we are listening to them? And how do we prove that we do have the team that it takes to move Canada into a successful post-pandemic world? So, you know, I think the next couple of months, you know, there's a, a cabinet retreat coming up where the new cabinet will get to spend some time together and get to, to know each other and get to, you know, digging into some of the briefing materials that their uh, their staff are likely frantically putting together for them right now. Um, and um, I think that there will be a lot of talk over the next couple of months amongst the cabinet of how do they present the most united front to Canadians you know, while advancing the priorities that they want to advance, but addressing those issues that, like I said, are top of mind for Canadians today. Last one for you. Uh, we've seen a lot of ministers changing portfolios. There's one minister, of course, who's immune to all of this. That's the prime minister. And there are people mm-hmm. that have said that's something that needs to be looked at going into the next election. What do you think about Justin Trudeau? Like you say, he, he's making all of these changes, but he stays there. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. the Liberal Party and you're taking a look at your flagging fortunes, we know he's not the most popular. Is his job at risk heading into the next election? I mean, I think any any political will tell you that any politician's job is at risk at any point. And I think that's just that's the nature of the business to a certain degree. Um, you know, there's a saying that goes that Canadians don't vote governments in, they vote governments out. So, you know, whether or not this is a time, you know, in the electoral cycle where Canadians are ready for a significant enough change that they would be willing to to vote in a new government, 
Um, it's hard to say. The Prime Minister has, in the past at least, given no indication of uh, of walking away anytime soon. At the Liberal Convention there in the spring, he made a pretty forceful um, speech indicating that he wasn't going anywhere. But, you know, that can change, I think, of his, his father and his, you know, uh, long walk, walk in, in the, the snow. snow that, yeah. Exactly, that led to a, a change in position for him. So, you know, it's hard to say exactly what the Prime Minister is thinking in terms of his own political future. Um, but I think that he would be looking at this shuffle, like I said, as, a, as an opportunity to breathe some fresh life into yeah. the government and hopefully show Canadians that this is a Liberal government that is deserving of another mandate in the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Sophie, thank you so much. Uh, fantastic insight. I really appreciate you being here.